We have Exodus chapter 21 where God's going on establishing his law. In Exodus 21, 12, he says, whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. It's very simple. It's very, it's very clear. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize, seize the, the faith. faith. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast. How you doing there, Jess? <laughs> Great. I'm so glad you're great. Tara and great. We're on episode 88, which means we're still in the 80s. And you know what that means? I think I do. It means Calabunga. <laughs> That's our 80s I love, theme. I love, I love the 80s theme that we have going on here. I'm oh, glad do, that I thought of it. Here's the real problem. When we get to like the 110s, do we do 2010s or do we go back in time to like the 1910s or do we literally go all the way back to like 110 AD? I think we will have to accidentally forget this trend. Okay, that sounds fine. Well, <clears throat> we still have the 90s and the 2000s to go, so we're fine. <laughs> we can handle that. <laughs> Episode 88 tonight, the title is Worldly Compassion versus Christian Compassion, the Abuse of Death and Life. Uh, we will be talking about uh, the death penalty verdict recently uh, with a Parkland shooter and just kind of contrasting how that plus uh, the uh, trend of Bill C-7 and assisted suicide in Canada and how our culture, it's just a microcosm here, both with the lack of understanding of the death penalty and justice and the lack of understanding of God-given life and mistreating it. It's just a microcosm of how our world is completely subjective. And joining us to do this is none other than a Canadian himself. That's right. <laughs> Famous author, mind you, one James Romali. James, how are you tonight? It's Romali. <laughs> he's, f- he's Francisco. It's... Francesco. <laughs> Excuse me, Francesco. This is James Romali. Uh, James Romali, how are you, man? Doing great. <laughs> I feel like I failed you. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you didn't fail me. You failed him. All right. I, feel like I, I wasn't talking to you. Oh, oh. Well, there I go again, making everything about me. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> James, wh- wh- why don't you take this opportunity to let us, a little know, let us all know a little bit, although I'm sure many of our listeners are well acquainted with, but a little bit of your uh, writings that you have done there. Well, I wrote the 95 Theses of COVID in Church um, pretty much actually a year ago. And I've written a couple other things, just poetry related. And um, I, it, it all just kind of started with, with a blog. And I just had some questions from uh, some friends who doubted my view. And I was one of the few people that they knew that actually believed that churches should be open, which... Kind of sounds strange. Scandalous. Um, yeah. And there was just one question after another, and I just started writing those questions down. And I started writing out points for why the church should open. And that just kind of led into lots of <laughs> questions. More and more. Lots of questions, questions that I even even I had. So she's <laughs> like almost a hundred questions probably. It's like about I don't know, roughly, you know, ninety, ninety-five. Ninety five, yeah. Ballpark. <laughs> I just had a lot and then you know it, it was the reformation day that was coming up and I was like I bet you I can get 95 <laughs> piece of cake jeez the question was which ones do we have to cut out of this list <laughs> I think uh, one of the things that we were making very conscious efforts to do was to consider how our church would need to somehow incorporate this and you know how like they do these documents and then they're after a name of a place you know like the help me the the oh what is it like no i'm just totally blanking right oh now. my gosh the something declaration yeah Where, they do all these different and they're after places frankfurt the frankfurt, frankfurt. declaration is the more recent one. Oh my there gosh we go. and so we have these different <laughs> i thought you guys were talking about the independence <laughs> we were thinking about doing something um with South Jersey and try, trying to incorporate your 95 thesis into our statement of faith about why churches must hold worship to God and not sub- become subservient to any government or man-made dictate. Uh, because I feel like the churches really needs to like make this stand. Anyway, it was just something we, we were thinking about as we're reading. We're like, yeah, we need to make this into like a confessional document that we have that we actually give to our governing authorities like hey just so you know next time you try this crud here's what we're doing <laughs> yeah sign this points. sign this or we'll malign your organization till eternity's end <laughs> <laughs> that's correct uh so that's i would encourage 
The best part about this book, it's not hard to find. So if you're going to go ahead and look for it, you just type in the 95 thesis of, uh, wow, I'm going to mess it up now. (laughs) COVID in the church. COVID COVID at the church. church. And, uh, you will have no problems finding it because I mean, I'm famous. That's right. There's only one, there's only one man who's done that great work. It's only 1 billion copies sold and counting. That's right. Um, but nay, if you're like, ah, man, with inflation, I just don't know if I can get that right now. Rest easy, because we will be doing a giveaway this Friday. It would be literally today, because the episode will drop on Friday. Oh, crap. I forget that we record, <clears throat> we record in the past. Yes, we're, oh. we are recording. In the past. We're launching in the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Today is Friday. And if you meet the requirements, you can be entered into this contest. Jesse, why don't you tell us a little about the contest? Uh, yeah, so if you want... To win cool things, uh, you can head over to our Instagram page. We will be doing um, a giveaway, and the rules will be in a post there. Um, we were thinking, uh, we we're thinking what, like three prizes? Oh, three prizes! You have three chances to win. Lay grand prize, since we're all French here. Uh, first would be um, a copy of James's book, um, "The Ninety Five Theses of COVID and the Church," uh, as well as one of our, uh, as well as one of our T-shirts um, that we will gladly ship anywhere in the United States or Canada. Um, and then second place will be, uh, a copy of James's book. And then third place winner will be, um, a sticker pack, some bookmarks, uh, just a small little care package for you. But yeah, head on over to our Instagram at Carpe Fide Podcast and, uh, enter to win. Easy to play. Listen, don't, to win. don't miss all the rules though. There's going to be rules. You're going to have to follow people and like things. And that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty much and then it. Sit back and collect on the awesome prizes and roll the umimim the thumim to see if <laughs> if you'll be chosen. Ironically, that verse is going to be mentioned tonight. Proverbs sixteen thirty three. How did I know? Casting of lots and God's sovereignty. Anyway, neither here nor there. All right, back to the, now to the topics. A great segue <clears throat> to the topics. Uh, I thought since James was our guest, it's appropriate to start first with uh, what is known as the right to death in Canada. That is correct. The right to death. What do you think that one's about, Justin? <laughs> uh, there are several organizations. Uh, there will also, this is a great time to mention. Don't forget to check the show notes for links to articles uh, that you can uh, inform yourself of these topics. Don't just take our word for it. Um, there's much more people, many, much many writings on uh, on these topics. Uh, but Bill C seven in Canada uh, has really broadened uh, its youth, uh, its use of euthanasia laws, um, and uh, it's it's <clears throat> incredibly disconcerting uh, to say uh, the least. Um, and in thinking through this particular topic. Um, the concern becomes uh, whether or not we as Christians need to acknowledge the sovereignty of God over life and death. Yeah. Oh yeah. There <laughs> you've got to stop it. Well, I don't know what you're talking about there, bud. Uh, so in this way, the wording of, of the bill in Canada has allowed for uh, people to consider ending their life uh for reasons that go beyond what we would have thought as terminal cases of illness. Um, basically, uh, just about any uh, potential hardship that causes um, enough distress uh, personally to a person in, in their own protect, particular subjective way uh, is one for which they can request uh, these services uh, of the Canadian government to uh, end their life. Think about it kind of like uh, think about it kind of like the pro-life laws or I'm sorry, the pro-abortion laws. <laughs> Sometimes I get the two confused. Um, you know, that would say like, you know, abortion is banned uh, um, except for the case of the, the health of the well, the health of the mother. You know, it's kind of like that catch all, but not really kind of opposite of catch all term where it could mean kind of anything. What are they talking about? Socioeconomic health or mental health? Yep, that's or, correct. Or, uh, I don't know, personal hygiene health? Like, yep, that's you know, it. it. That's could correct. Be anything. So think about it that way. Yeah. Kind of just broadens that out there. Just kind of widens that scope. Yeah, so we're talking about something like 10,000 deaths last year uh, in Canada from euthanasia. Um, yeah. Uh, 
It's rough. It's rough. It's no, it's no small matter. Uh, and the church needs to start considering these things uh, because it really points to our, a reality, a culture that is focused on um, uh, death wrongly. It's got a wrong view of death. Um, so, James, I'm curious. Do you think that uh, God would see death in a different way than the this man-made bill that gives access to the right uh, the right to death, um, or as I believe they term it, medical assistance in death, or MAID, M-A-I-D, medical assistance in death. Well, God is sovereign over the entire world, and he is Lord over all, and uh, he's Lord over you, whether or not you're, you even make claim to faith. And, and so you, your life is given to you by God, and you don't even need to acknowledge that. Uh, it's just a fact. God gave you life, and uh, I'm going to have uh, a baby soon. And I'm thinking, wow, this is an, an amazing thing, my first child. And this is beyond amazing that God would create life in a womb. And just thinking of everything in the big picture, we're thinking from the moment one is conceived all the way up to the final breath and God sustains that whole entire life and he gets to choose when the baby is born and he gets to choose when that person dies. He says that that uh, he has numbered our days and we do not number our days, do we? Nope. <laughs> I don't know the number of my days but um i know it could be any moment and we 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 can't presume upon the grace of god to think that it's going to be 70 years or whatever the average uh length is and who am i to say god you know what i think i'm going to shorten my days uh i've been going through a lot of hard times uh, you seem to have left left me, or you you seem things seem to have gone gotten too hard, and and I think ultimately it comes down to like uh, a wrong view of trials, and I think a lot a lot of people see trials as like beyond beyond comprehensible, and we have to look at trials in in, in a uh, Christian light mm-hmm. in a way that says trials are actually good. And endurance is something that we need to to have as Christians. We need to bear up, bear under, bear up under the the weight of our trials, because we know that that God is in control, and He has, and, and He's doing something with those trials. We might not be able to know it in the here and now, but we have to trust God. Now that's that's the Christian perspective, hmm. and you might say. Oh, but I'm not Christian, so none of that stuff applies. Okay, well, did God give you life? Because if he did, then it does apply. <laughs> Certainly, what we can safely say is that no one gives themselves life. <laughs> it's uh, uh, empirically a fact. No one actually gives themselves life, and that that would be an impossibility. Um, yeah, as you were as you were talking. <clears throat> Uh, a couple things came to mind. One, I'll put it in the show notes. You know what? I'm going to write this down so I remind that I can remind myself to put it in the show notes because I'll say that and I'll forget. Um, song by My Epic, um, fantastic band, by the way. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes to the song. Probably fainting goat sound just for everybody that might need the fainting goat warning. My Epic is not necessarily what you would call smooth jazz. It's not smooth jazz, but it's not vulgar. No, it's not vulgar. We save the fainting goats for vulgarity. It's not just, for, I just, is it, it's, it's also, you know, things that they have a hard time listening to. It's, it's, it's rock. <laughs> it's got heavy, <laughs> heavy beats to it, and uh, you know, anyway, harsh sounds. We need to be open to all kinds of music. You know, we're fine <laughs> with that. We just have sound. some people that listen yeah. to the podcast that, you know, might a little, cherish just a little the piano. Gatherer. You know, just, just a little don't piano. Derail someone off. 
the train or (laughs) (laughs) off the road, right? You know, it's exactly. I just want someone to have a a little warning when they go to listen to it. The words are fantastic, and you know what? Musically, they're put together very well, but their sound is a a little more hardcore. Yeah, mildly hardcore compared to what I listen to. Yeah, that's but anyway, um, still like becoming the archetype. (laughs) <laughs> becoming the archetype is fantastic but no it is nowhere near becoming the archetype um i'm trying to think uh, what is the name of the song is it perfecter yeah yeah there you I go perfecter. perfecter um so yeah it's a it's a song written about death and um it's a fantastic song but in it they quote um psalm 116 15 um which says precious in the sight of the lord is the death of his holy ones um, or his faithful ones or his saints, uh, depending on your translation. And it's just like such a good reminder. Like when you said that, when you said that God has such a, such a kind of like a unique perspective on life and death, him being the author of it all. And it's just like, here we have, here we have the psalmist just talking about, um, the death of, of a saint. Right. And it, it, it kind of makes me think of Stephen, the martyr, right. In Acts, um, in Acts chapter seven, um, you know, Stephen is, is stoned. He's prayed. He's, um, you know, they're, they're actively stoning him. And then he, uh, he, he, he cries out. He says, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. And, um, and he he prays for their forgiveness. And, and I mean, just, just a, a crazy experience. But in that, in that moment, we see that salt, the, the psalmists, um, understanding of death becomes such a reality. Um, that God is welcoming home one of his saints. Um, and, and certainly, and certainly it does not have to be, um, this spectacular martyrdom that, that, that verse is true for, um, you know, I, I think of many a loved one where, where heaven would rejoice at their homecoming, um, that the Lord's perspective on death is, is far in a way different than, than ours and then, and how we treat it and especially how our culture treats it, um, but I think many Christians too have a um, have a hard time thinking about and dealing with sub- the subject of death. I think because it is it's such a it's such a very real consequence of sin. Um, it's very pervasive and difficult. One hundred percent. We're talking about a a fact uh, from God's word that God is the giver of life. When we talk about this, we have to acknowledge that God is a giver of life. Um, even uh, in, in the United States Constitution, um, there are rights to life and property that are outlined, but there are not rights to death. That is not a thing that we guard because in the, the Christian tradition uh, of which our country was founded, the acknowledgement that that uh, God, which by the way was also the, the tradition in which Canada was founded, <laughs> uh, was the Christian was the Christian tradition. Uh, God does God offers life. He gives life to us um and in doing so what we then protect is life what we do not protect is death uh so you can you can check out genesis 2 7 and the lord god formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life man became a living soul job echoes this uh in job 33 4 uh when job says sorry apologize my screen is not working. He says very joby things. (laughs) The spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life and not to be outdone in Acts 17 25 we read starting verse 24 uh, the God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by by man nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything so if we know that what god has given is life then we should seek to protect it you can also reference john 1 3 through 4 Uh, god is the giver of life and sustainer of life and so when we know what god gives the responsibility then becomes on us what do we do with what god has given what is the call that god has given us through life um So, I mean, that's where you start. We always start with what God has given. When we, we can reveal what God has given us, we can identify responsibilities that we have around that thing that God has given as well. Um, and God is clear that life is purposeful. Life is uh, a gift. Uh, and so we have a call to honor God and then protect life, not right. honor and protect death. <laughs> yeah, and in 
in going with that, um, it, unfortunately, with with all of this, that's this this bill, uh, you can help your friend, or rather, deceive your friend into mm. making that decision, and it's totally fine, mm. right? And 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 that's supposed to be a dignified death, and that's not protection. We're supposed to be looking out for our our kindred, our mm-hmm. brothers and sisters, and we're supposed to esteem life. And here we are basically deceiving someone to do what's best for them. And and I would say that the, along with that is really a, uh, it, it shows our worldview. It, it's, it's saying that, that actually this, this is the best thing that we have for you, that you should end your pain now and take this, whatever it is, substance to uh, essentially kill yourself. And uh, that's the best you have considering your circumstances. And basically the, the worldview is, is, is one of no hope. And we know that from Christ, there is hope. And actually there's a bodily resurrection of Christ, right? Yep. Through death. 100%. <clears throat> Yeah, and it's um. Oh, okay. No, go right ahead. I'll arm wrestle you for it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, It's an audio show. They won't have any proof of who've won. (laughs) James, James can tell us. Um, No, but so you you know, it really makes me. (laughs) It it really makes me think whenever whenever we talk about death, and especially whenever we talk about these, um, like these made laws in Canada and these assisted suicide laws, these euthanasia laws, it really makes me think of. Um, you know, cause people often say, well, if you're suffering that much, or if you're in such chronic, uh, such a state of chronic illness, you should have that, that right to, to choose when to end your life. And it, it really makes me think of, uh, our aunt Judy, uh, Justin, who lived probably dozens of years. Yes. Um, in, in chronic pain, um, that never went away and only would exacerbate. And, um, um, she, she died. She went to heaven, uh, a couple of years ago now, um, two years ago, it'll be two years on Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve. But, but she always had such an interesting, like watching her and growing up around her and seeing her relationship with mom, like it, it really helped, um, it really helped me, um, think about these types of issues in such a different light because Aunt Judy always, uh, uh always struggled so much, but yet always had such a faith, um, to reach out for help when she needed help and to, to have people help her understand God's purpose, um, for her life. And her life brought much joy and testimony, uh, in ways that never would have been, um, if she had taken one of these options that, that, that are available to to many of these people, only God, um, only God can turn suffering into any kind of good. Right. Um, and so as Christians, we have to recognize that. Um, and especially since the uh, many, almost probably almost all of the new Testament writers <clears throat> touch on, um, the fact that we will suffer in this life, that suffering is not an evil in and of itself. And that God in his sovereignty is the one that can use our suffering for immeasurable good. Um, and so it really puts into perspective, I think, um, into a better perspective, issues of chronic illness and chronic pain. Um, when we consider these things, cause it does sound like, right. Doesn't it, doesn't it sound like a more compassionate thing to end that suffering, uh, or to be able to end that suffering. But, but because of our perspective as Christians, because, um, of God and his revealed word, um, as the author of life, I think that we can find a different, much better perspective. Certainly because it, it acknowledges the gift of life and the gift of suffering. Uh, Christ, Christ is the lamb who was slain. I mean, we can't acknowledge the fact that our, our walking through um, um, suffering is an, is a way in which we can relate to the fact that Christ suffered. And we'll know nothing of that, but we know that he has gone before us into it and that this life is purposeful beyond suffering. Um, we, we, we must acknowledge that in order to understand that there is value in things that we do not give value to. We do not treat with the proper value. Um, and, and in that way, uh, it, it, it's a great sadness. 
to follow yeah, and to that, I would say as a uh, as one who is a security guard, I often see people who are strung out on really hardcore drugs mm-hmm. um, in downtown Calgary here, and you know, the most compassionate thing that I I can do is is not to oh this person really really needs um, more drugs and he's out and he's addicted and so he's having whatever. Um, the most compassionate thing is not to give him drugs, right? Correct. And um, I, I would hope that any sensible person would seek help for that person. And the answer is not in the in sustaining this addiction. And so we can transfer that over to anything like children, right? Like, oh, this children's throwing a, tan- a tantrum because this child is throwing a tantrum because he really wants uh an absorbent amount of candy. Yeah. <laughs> just give him like, what he insane. wants so he'd like, be quiet. Just be quiet. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, he's just so desperate. He's crying. And, you know, you're just so compassionate that you're just going to give him this boatload of candy. That's that's not compassion because it doesn't actually solve anything and it's just actually worsening. Compassion is not defined by someone getting what he wants. Yeah, that would be because subjective. That would be a subjective truth-based compassion. Exactly. So when we see someone in need, if the the answer is not death. The answer is life. Yeah, the answer that, is That sounds very profound. I mean, it's absolutely I don't want to true. take credit for that. Oh man, you should become like an author. Yeah, you could you yeah, should write so some of this write stuff these down. down. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so like life is better than death. Yeah, uh every time. Um <laughs> And this, it's, it's, oh my gosh, it's like the, it's the argument, it's literally, literally the argument that I had was not, it wasn't a, like a knockdown argument, it was just the argument that was posed in the, in the abortion question, you know, like it, it's, it's better to kill the baby than for them to suffer in a life of poverty or, and I'm like, well, one, you're assuming everything that's going to happen to that child after it's born, which you don't know. And two, the answer to that question is no, it's never okay to murder someone to kill someone because they may have a potentially difficult life. Uh, many people have flourished under a difficult life, certainly. And this is even empirically before you even factor into the, the reality that there is indeed a real one true living God. It's, it's just, it's a ludicrous, it's a ludicrous argument um, that's made from emotionalism. And that's the difference. That's a, you're highlighting the difference between worldly compassion, which is sub, totally subjectively based and Christian compassion, which must always be based on truth. There is no way to be loving without the truth. And the truth is you do not allow someone to continue in their addiction just because they want it. You must love them with the truth. And the truth is they need Christ. They need to be redeemed. They need to be bought out of that addiction and actually begin to heal. There's a, that's what is true for the person who's going to be struggling through poverty for the person who has lost some hearing for the person who has some depressive thoughts the answer is not death to end their life the answer is to lovingly give them truth that they may heal begin to move forward begin to acknowledge that life is a gift and even there's even dignity in the ending of that life which brings us to the next reality that god is indeed uh, the one who's sovereign over life and over death god is sovereign over both you can turn to ecclesiastes chapter 12 which is awesome it's literally this wisdom passage about the ending of life and and you come you come to uh, verse 7 in ecclesiastes 12 and and after he has used a bunch of metaphors to acknowledge that life gets harder when you get old the reality is he says and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to god who gave it uh, that god is the eternal god who will weigh all spirit all, all life returns to the giver of life uh, and and it just acknowledges indeed his sovereignty over life and also his sovereignty over death when we think of the shepherd psalm in psalm 23 right yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death right i'm walking through death death is a peace i will not fear because you are with me god is sovereign over death he is sovereign over it. I need not fear death when I am walking through it with God. And so we can acknowledge that death is is something that God walks through with 
with us. And so he appoints it. He moves through it. He, he acknowledges the sovereign power over it so that he is glorified. And we should not rob, ever seek to rob God of his glory, though that is what we as humans continually try to do. <laughs> oh, so frustrating. <laughs> I hate it when you do that, too. What, that sound? No, when you try to rob God of his glory. Yeah, no, amen. And I, I, I repent because it is, it's a very... I know James never tries to do that either. <laughs> it just seemed like the appropriate sound effect for me and my robbing of God's glory. I, it, all right. It's not nearly good enough. I, I admit. Um, I want to, I want to keep ranting. I feel like I just ranted for a while. You did. <laughs> so sorry. Well, I, I just want to say that something that I have had to catch myself uh, in regards to death is, is that sometimes I think, Hey, I'm getting a little older and time's running out and you know, I only have, such and such amount of time and I'm starting to think again in, in terms of well I've got 70 years or 80 years or whatever and uh, so I you kind of get this YOLO mentality like I got to live it up and then mm. once you realize that life is harder uh, and all your dreams are not coming true then you start getting depressed and you're like man my, what is my life uh, this is just depressing it's not what I expected it to be and then I have to rethink everything and say, wait, as, as a Christian, I have all eternity. I don't have just, you know, 40, 20 years hmm. left, whatever. And, and so I can start saying, okay, there's, there's trials, yes. There's hard times coming, yes. But it's all preparing me for what's ahead, especially the next life. Yeah. We've already, we've already started building for eternity here. Um, this life is not a wasted, is not a wasted time. Um, and I mean, I think that that's evident. Um, Oh man, where was it? I forget where it was in where, where it is in scripture, the admonishment to, um, essentially have our hands to the plow to always constantly keep working, keep, keep progressing, keep, um, getting better, keep loving our neighbor, keep um, continually be sanctified, um, basically not to let the Lord find us being uh, lazy or lackadaisical uh, in our diligence to following his commands. Um, I, forget, I forget where that was. Man, that's going to irk me. That's gonna... Luke 9, verse 62. Oh, well, oh well, man. Which makes sense. That. You were just that's in Luke. Part. What? Weren't you just reading in Luke? I was. I wasn't reading Luke 9 recently. Oh, geez. The, thanks, what James. Actually, what are, are, we're going through at, the, at Fairview. Oh, man. But, thanks, uh, James. James yeah, coming so in Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hmm. Well, there you go. I swore it. Yeah, it's probably. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's the exact one I was thinking. <laughs> well, in my ever continuing okay. expanding references about God being sovereign over death, here's one you haven't thought of, but you've probably heard if it you've been apply. in church. <laughs> Matthew 10:29, where Jesus is talking, specifically using um, different metaphors to acknowledge how much God actually cares. He says, "Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father?" But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. I love it when Jesus is sarcastic. <laughs> Jesus being a little sarcastic there. If if Jesus no. if no sparrow falls, that's not something I typically think of. Is uh, no sparrow? It's <laughs> not something I typically think of. Like, is my life? worth more than a sparrow. More than well no, Jesus is is much kinder. He says many sparrows. Your life is worth more than even many sparrows. It's it's clearly sarcasm. It's more Fear than not. Like, more than like a billion sparrows. <laughs> the biggest sparrow. <laughs> so <laughs> stop it with the trumpet. Just throw it in trumpet and throw it in everything. The acknowledgement here is that God Trump has entered the conversation. <laughs> uh, Trump has left the Trump has left the chat. <laughs> oh, he was removed. Uh, he's banned. <laughs> all, right, all right, God. God does not lose a sparrow without knowing. God is sovereign over that, 
and here sarcastically Jesus says tongue in cheek, Oh, fear not, your worth your life is worth more than many sparrows. Of course God is sovereign over you and your appointed day. Of course he is. Why should we rob that from him as if we are the ones responsible, mm. as if we are sovereign over it, as if there's not something to be seen in dignity, in death. We have no view of the reality that there is dignity to a life well lived, to people being able to acknowledge that there was a life well lived. There's no reason for us to think that hardship precludes the sovereignty of God. Uh, it, it is it is indeed a very, it is a very arrogant culture that does not properly treat the gift of life that God's given and instead starts utilizing its power to protect the right to death. Mm. It is, it is completely. And, and, and here's the thing is that they would say, well, your life, your choice. And it's like, well, actually God has given you that life. And therefore it is, it's, yeah, it's, it's your choice to use that, to steward that life to his glory but there is such a thing as a good choice and a bad choice. And death is, is like the worst thing that you can do with something that was given to you. If, if you gave me something, uh, I don't know, something valuable, uh, and, and I just killed it, I'm supposed to take care of these things. And, uh, I kill it. That's not good stewardship. Nope. That's not what you would want for those cute little sparrows. Right. Would it? Those cute little sparrows going down to Capistrano. Those cute little sparrows. It's 100% not. I don't know what reference that was. Were you referencing When the swallows go back to Capistrano? No? I don't know what... I literally... I have no idea what you're talking about. You've not like ever seen a Bugs Bunny cartoon? I guess not ones where they mention sparrows and capistrano. I don't oh, even know what that fine. is. I'm just is it a place? Just, is, it a, is it a pasta? Like, you, what, what you, are you, you, you googly it later. All right. Just you googly it. <laughs> All right. Well, how about next 420, 427 here? Uh, we're in the midst. <clears throat> uh of the narrative and we pick up the reading in verse 27 of Acts chapter 4 it says this for truly in this city they were gathered together against you against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place so during this prayer where the believers are praying for boldness they acknowledge simultaneously that God is sovereign over sin and death he is sovereign over it that even Pontius Pilate even the the death of Christ, God, the death of God and man himself on the cross was completely sovereignly orchestrated by God. And we would say, how can that possibly be? Well, but it's because God, God is not going to allow uh, sin or, and our selfishness to rob him of his glory. He is sovereign over it, over all things and the sustaining of those things. We cannot, we cannot begin to fathom the an understanding where we, we believe that in our sin we have robbed God of his glory. God at the end will get his glory, whether through his just judgment or whether through the glorification of his son who has paid the penalty for someone's sin. God is glorified. You cannot beat the sovereign God. It's not possible. And so he is sovereign over these things, sin and death and the sadness of suffering. He is sovereign over. We walk through them in faith. We pray for the grace and the mercy to do so. Um, and, and indeed, I, I mean, you can look at Proverbs sixteen thirty three if you want, where we talk, we're talking about the casting of lots, that God is sovereign over even the casting of lots. You're like, oh my goodness, is that gambling? Yes, God is sovereign over everything, even of chance that we think God is sovereign over it. <laughs> goodness gracious. And yet we want to treat life with this, with this uh, carefree manner as if the right to death is what God has actually given. No, no, no. God has given the right to live. It is his and his sovereign hand alone at which a life should end. Amen. Which kind of leads well, that kind of thinking, right into our next topic. Well, if it's God's sovereign hand... Are you about to segue? I'm segueing. This, this is totally a segue. You know, apparently the guy who invented the segue died on a segue. He died transitioning to something else? No, he died was on he a Segway. Was he trying to get off of the Segway? <laughs> no, I believe he was I'm trying sorry. to do something stupid on a Segway and literally died. <laughs> this guy invented it. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We got to move on. Otherwise, we're going to, you know, you know, 
you never know. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna right? segue right into our own deaths here. Oh heavens! What a bad uh, transition. <laughs> if God is sovereign over death, then what do we do with something like justice and the death penalty? Because the story of Bill C seven that has gotten a lot of attention. Um, by the way, so much attention that even the UN's human rights uh, three contributors to the human rights uh, board on the UN wrote a letter to the administration, the, the government administration of Canada, saying. You know, with this new bill, you're kind of discriminating against those that are, you know, handicapped as if they don't need to live or as if their life is somehow worth less. None of this even acknowledges the fact that the 10,000 people that died that died last year uh, uh, from euthanasia, euthanasia actually served the purpose of a government that has a socialist medi- medi- Medicare system because if people die, particularly those that are die that are maybe taking medical resources, it actually saves them money. <laughs> That's a little bit self-serving. It's literally Scrooge. It's <laughs> If they're going to die, they better do it and decrease the surplus population, as no. Scrooge would say. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this, none of this acknowledges that. We're strictly, strictly speaking about this from an objective standard. Strictly speaking. <laughs> strictly speaking from an objective standard. It kind of bumps up against this story, and this is something that really, really bothered me. Um, we have... Did it grind your gears? It really grind my gears. It got stuck in my crawl, as they say. Uh, so uh, this is, what, about two weeks ago, we had the sentencing... Uh, passed down for the Parkland shooter. Uh, this you you may remember this. Um, a man went into uh, the Parkland school and killed seventeen people and wounded seventeen more in what was a completely premeditated act uh, at a high school. Um, and so we're talking about several members that he killed were actually completely minors. Uh, and this is what he was convicted of doing uh so as far as whether or not he actually did the crime uh he was found guilty because uh empirically uh through the fact that he gave himself up and was the only person doing the shooting he was completely guilty (laughs) there was no other way to slice it actually um but when it came to the sentencing uh he did not receive the death penalty the jury found uh, that he would he would be given cons, uh, concurrent sentence life sentences uh, for his crime, which is lame, ridic- uh, ridiculous. It is uh, unjust, uh, completely. Uh, it's almost a mockery. Inconceivable. In, it is inconceivable. It's conceivable. <laughs> he, he didn't die. <laughs> Inconceivable. That's like the most appropriate. That's the most appropriate princess bride line ever. How come you said that word? I don't think that means what you think it means. Uh, oh wait, no. But he says he didn't fall. Not that he didn't I know. He didn't oh, you fall. changed it on purpose. I changed it because oh. we're talking about the death penalty. Oh right. Good um, job. If God is something. <laughs> If God is sovereign over death and he's the one that authors it, then what do we think about the death penalty and justice? What should a Christian think about this? Oh, my gosh, um, Justin, aren't you being hypocritical? Nah, that's what they would say, except what we're talking about here is not that God has given life, but rather that God is just and calls for justice. God demands justice. At the end of the day, we're talking about what is referred to in the Latin as lex talionis or the law of retributive justice that a a, the consequence of a crime should indeed fit the crime. And God has a ton to say about this, actually, in his scripture. This is one of the things that really, really does bother me. Um, well, I'm, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but apart from the fact that a man who is clearly guilty uh, of killing 17 people and wounding 17 others and doing it volitionally and intentionally with planning, um, we have the outcry of the parents um, and I'm trying to find the article that I pulled up. I don't know why I can't find it. Um, yeah. Why does it say 404 not found that? I copied that wrong. No, mine, mine did it. Oh man. Maybe, maybe yours worked. No, see, I'm getting nothing here. Centered. <laughs> here, here you go. Stunned, devastated parents of Parkland victims react to shooters life sentence. Yeah. If you scroll down, you'll find many, many quotes like literally right there. I'm disgusted with those jurors. I'm disgusted with the system that you can allow 17 dead and 17 others shot and wounded and not get the death penalty. Father, it's a father of a 14 year old Parkland victim. I can't even imagine, man. Can you imagine? That's Ky- you, that's Kylie's. Did you age. watch that? 
testimony? Uh, I have not you yet. You guys watched me? Yeah, I, I, I watched it, and uh, this, the term compassion rang through my mind because I had a lot of compassion for these families mm. who they, they weren't served justice, and, and it would have been the most compassionate thing ever to, to actually, for, for this individual to, to actually get the death penalty mm. because of the effect that it would have had uh, on, on the surrounding community. And um, you, you just see the, the hurt in his eyes and, and the, the anger and the outrage and, you know, the fact that his 14-year-old daughter dies and they never received justice, which is essentially saying that, it, you know, it, it it's bad, but it's it's not that bad. It's not like worthy of death, like, um, and and that's just repulsive, to say it, say the least. And uh, you can't help but think, hey, if I had a fourteen year old daughter, and she was murdered, and the person that did that never got justice, yeah, I, I'm gonna have a lot of compassion for that person. But instead, a lot of people, probably even the, the jury, they're they're having compassion on the wrong, or rather, the wrong kind of compassion, on the wrong people. They're they're thinking, oh, but surely he doesn't deserve the death penalty for that. I mean, you know, that's that's the death penalty. That's that's terrible. You know, completely overlooking the fact that there's 17 people, and mm-hmm. 17 more that were being injured. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and, and so, yeah, the, the whole contrast between worldly compassion and godly compassion is, is very relevant here. Hmm. I, I mean, a thousand, a thousand percent. We hearken back to the, just after the flood. So God uh, bringing the flood uh, to reset the sin that man was, was thriving in, uh, in their, their, debauchery um the one of the first things he tells noah in genesis 9 verse 6 after uh they have been able to land again on dry ground from the flood is that whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed for god has made it for god made man in his own image god sees uh the only correct retributive justice form in taking a life is exchanging your life for that life. Um, this is something that is consistent, not only throughout, um, throughout God's word, but also throughout cultures, uh, of all time and, 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 and place. Uh, the idea of, uh, a life for a life is something that is very, very common because God made us in his image. It's an image bearing, uh, Mark that when you snuff out the life of a fellow of another image bearer, you're forfeiting your own life, uh, in, in image bearing. Um, we think of Exodus 21, right after the 10, the 10 words, the 10 commandments in Exodus 20, we have Exodus chapter 21, where God's going on establishing his law. In Exodus 21, 12, he says, whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. It's very simple. It's very, it's very clear. Uh, whoever intentionally murders someone, the homicide, the intentional homicide of another person, uh, death is the penalty for this. Uh, I mean, ironically, it's not even the only thing, but when you think about abusing image bearers in Exodus twenty one sixteen, here's a verse that most people don't really realize God said, God said, whoever steals a man and sells him, that would be child slavery. And anyone found in possession of him, that's anyone who purchased someone in child slavery shall be put to death. Like, whoa, God, God holds the death penalty uh, in, in clear regard for his people to understand righteousness for crimes that deserve are deserving of it. There's to, to abuse the image bearer, uh, to seek to steal them and enslave them to, to intentionally murder them. God sees this as a, a complete affront to the image that of which he gave to man. Um, and the only way to, to atone for that is through the, the offering of your own life. You, you forfeit it, uh, for justice and it becomes an issue of justice. And, what what you said james is 
is so important. Uh, this is a quote from Fred Gutenberg, whose 14 year old daughter was killed uh, by, by the uh, Parkland shooter. Uh, he said, I'm stunned. I'm devastated. She was shot running down a hallway. This decision today only makes it more likely the next mass shooting will be attempted. There's a reality to what justice is. Um, there have been studies done that when the penalties of crimes are as severe as they should be, it does offer a deterrence to the committing of those crimes. And the reality is we're not offering the, the right mentality to the Parkland shooter. Uh, one, for him to be able to be a drain on society, to live in prison, life in prison, to have his life sustained uh, in part by the very people who are victims of those that he murdered in cold blood is is a disgusting atrocity it also doesn't allow him to deal adequate accurately with accurately with the consequences of what he did it doesn't offer him the view that he's approaching eternity and he must rightly deal with his actions he must seek repentance he must face consequences it doesn't it doesn't afford him the the gift of having to seek repentance and seek uh uh forgiveness in any way it doesn't offer that opportunity to him it robs him of that it puts him as a burden on society it actually gives no justice to the victims it, it's a complete perversion what we have here uh the, the fact that it's it's no longer an execution that is carried out in a timely way um it yeah it's been uh four and a half years mm -hmm. i think uh <laughs> yeah february 14th that's correct that that's just crazy and and uh all throughout the bible where I, I certainly don't imagine it to be four and a half years i mean it was pretty swift when something like that happened uh they were chomping at the bit trying to get that person uh charged as, as soon as possible well in many ways you and, had uh, you had uh, just uh, kind of vigilante justice. So God's law actually comes in establishing a law that that had people judging over things. First of all, which was a huge, which was a tremendous difference. Mm -hmm. And and second of all, yes, it was incredibly swift. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and uh, it's it's also interesting. You know, Paul Paul says this that he says if I if then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if hmm. there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. And, he, and then after that, he appealed to Caesar. And it's also interesting that uh, the robbers on the cross um, they understood that they, that they deserved that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't know, I don't know what they robbed, I don't know what they stole. But even as even something is, you know, what we would say, not that bad. It's just stealing, right? <laughs> um, it's not like you killed twenty people. Uh, in, a, in a school um it says in luke 23 33 to 41 one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying are you not the christ save yourself and us but the other rebuked him saying do you not fear god since you are under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed justly for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong and so they even they understood as as criminals that they deserve death and and i would say also the prisoners who uh per, perhaps will will be seeing that what, what's his name uh, uh, the parkland shooter no oh, um uh, i totally forgot what his name was because i that's literally how much i care about his name nicholas nicholas cruz yeah well, I'm, I imagine these prisoners will have a little bit more sense of justice, uh, of justice once once he enters their mm. prison, because um, they understand that that what he did was wrong, and I'm sure that they're going to make him pay in some sense. Yeah, except the reality is he'll probably have some sort of form of protection by the state in the prison. You know, I mean, like there's, it's the it's the sickest, <laughs> it's the sickest thing. Um, you know, unless, you know, you know, it's, it's so, it's so sad. Cause like this whole COVID and everything, you know, it's all about protecting you and sure. Yes. We, we absolutely need to be protected as a society from, but who are we being protected from? We're being protected from the 
prisoners and the criminals and people who murder and, and, and all these things so that we can go out and fulfill the Lord's commands to work and to, um, uh, to, to go and make disciples. And, and uh, there's a plethora of commands yep. that are all communal. And, and if we are all just stuck inside, then we will never want to go outside. And, and it's kind of interesting that it's, it's kind of making it, it's kind of making a lot of people want to stay inside, right? If if there's criminals on the loose, then <laughs> there we go yes. again with the quarantine, right? Yes, yes. New York, <laughs> New York is uh, like a, a beautiful case in point of people afraid to leave their homes because there's crime everywhere. Um, when you have cashless bail and you release prisoners, it's what happens. Uh, I don't have to tell you. I, I think. <laughs> I think the reality is we, the government is not supposed to, we, we know what Romans 13 says. The government's role is not to keep us safe uh, in that it protects us from everything. Rather, it is to punish unrighteousness. It is to punish with the sword those who commit unrighteousness. Now, that would be according to God's standard. It is, it is to punish the objective source of righteousness, God, and it is to reward those who uphold righteousness as the as as is the objective source of God, and so their role is not to keep us safe. Yes, they provide some sort of defense, as it would to be for the interest of the country. So, when you think of militarily uh, and protection like that, when you think of the enforcement of laws, certainly that is their role. But they cannot possibly keep us safe from things like viruses or things like poor economic decisions. That is not the government's role to keep us safe from. They cannot keep me safe from cancer. They cannot keep me safe from a slip and fall that breaks my hip. It is not the government's responsibility to do those things. There are laws that can pragmatically help to limit those things, like not letting people keep open pits on their sidewalk. <laughs> but, but, but that is not their role. My safety is not their role. My, my, my freedom to live out the rights that God has given, that is their role. <laughs> that That is what they're doing. What, uh, what, what the government thinks is that, is that, you know, as long as you regulate everything, like everything, mm-hmm. um, then every, we're all going to be safe. And so you, you take away the guns, right? You know, um, you start regulating yeah, sorry, uh, sorry about that, people's by the way. decisions and experimental vaccines and, and, all, and all these different things. And they think that they can protect society. And it's like, no, actually, your job as as the government is is to protect people, and it, and it does so specifically by bearing the sword, and and, and so you protect you protect society, but not by you know socialism and you know stealing from one person's pocket and giving it to another person and and, and, and all these different different ways, um, you protect society by doing your job by bearing the sword, and so you can. The government likes to do things. A million good things, or at least what it says is good. But the one thing that there is actually their job, they, you know, that's not important. <laughs> yeah, we'll just abdicate that responsibility completely. <laughs> it's kind of like you know, if if your job is um, I don't know, a plumber, and uh, you come into the house and you clean the whole house and. You, top to bottom and you're fixing this and you're doing that and making it nice and everything is just beautiful but you forget the you actually fix the toilet and, and and the plumbing well that person who comes home they might be a little impressed with you know all the work that you did but that's not what they paid you for yeah and now they can't use the bathroom and they're really ticked yeah so it's like I, well, that's this is great but uh i can't actually stay here because uh can't go to the bathroom. Uh, it's almost like they stole from you. Oh, yeah. and you are remembering that the in this analogy, the plumber is the government. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, good. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> so when we see that God has given justice, when we see that God has a clear role for justice, uh, what we're then what we're then required to do is meet that justice is to honor that justice and look there are tons of pragmatic arguments to be made look at all the people that were wrongly convicted of crimes uh wrongly convicted of crimes that were were um overturned on death row to be sure that has happened to be sure innocent people have been found guilty to be sure also in a corrupt legal system 
the guilty can be found innocent on technicalities and other minutia of law. The, all of those things are true. Things that are also true. Uh, think with things like DNA data, uh, these 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 false convictions are far less likely than they ever were before. Hmm. Um, that that data is is overwhelming. Um, here's the bottom line: we have confirmed evidence of this person doing this crime and we're still not honoring uh the the justice that is required with the death penalty yeah i mean 100 percent. this is not open and shut this is open and shut i mean he can he he pled insanity i mean which is kind of hard to do when you've literally bought the ammo the guns all legally done research yes but he also entered insanity insane insane like he you know he had mental Issues that contributed. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, contributing factors. Um, yeah. And I mean, let's be honest. It took four years of a person who... It, it, it's just... It, it is mind-boggling. Um, <laughs> the lack of justice in this whole process. And so we must... We, we, we get these things wrong because with worldly compassion... Um, I, I believe one of the issues was they had one juror. You have to have a unanimous decision in order to have the death penalty carried out in Florida. One juror was emphatic that there is no way that they would ever allow for the death penalty. They would he not. Said hard no. Right. It's a. It's like hard no. Hard no. You said that. Hard no. There. Um, and that's the that's worldly compassion. You're being completely ignorant to anything that's going on around you. You're just going to completely ignore it. But because you have the feels and all the emotions, you just start emoting everywhere, and you you ruin justice for all those people, right? The irony is there were no riots, but I mean, you'd think there would be some. I mean, <laughs> it's horrible. It's awful. Um, I, I just assume that everybody just riots now when things don't go their way, but apparently not. Apparently, some people are reasonably know. <laughs> <laughs> but that yeah, that's that's uh, really that's really compassion it's worldly compassion it's it's corrupt yeah and, and that case was a pretty clear cut yeah pun intended yes facts um the christian compassion <laughs> you tickled himself over there you really got tickled by that one <laughs> pun intended <laughs> um <laughs> the uh Somebody thought that was funny. Are, are you dying? Are you okay? I'm okay. I'm not a nurse. You are a nurse. Shh. <laughs> uh, Christian compassion here, because it stems from God and God's objective standard, meets these things where they're at. It offers the ability to uh, account uh, for the victims. It offers the ability to account for repentance, uh, confession, and acknowledgement. Uh, of 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 sin and wrongdoing to move, be able to move forward in et- in eternity, as opposed to letting someone languish. There's so much to truth involved in Christian compassion versus worldly compassion. When we see the the ending of life, the right to death, medical assistance in death, when we see these things, we can see that worldly compassion is just about some sort of subjective emotive standard, as opposed to Christian compassion, which is based and founded upon the the objective source of God and His Word. And I mean, there's there's hope in that. There is no hope in completely subjective, emotive gobbledygook. There's no hope in that. Why why do we why do we Christian? Please speak, stand, hold God's word up high, and and speak this hope into a dying world. Gee, boys. Yeah, it's like it's right in front of you. It's not even. It's not even terribly difficult to do. <laughs> you don't even have to Facts. go fishing for it. It's right there. Facts. Uh, I don't even know where else to go. I, I just there's just I, I don't know. That was, that, was, that was it, man. That was like, that's like the home run. I'm feeling good about it. I feel super good. I'm just thankful that we got to hang out with James finally on the podcast. Jimmy, <laughs> for sure. Uh, for those of you that didn't yeah. know this. James is the only Canadian I know that's a Cincinnati Reds fan. <clears throat> the only one. Hands down. <laughs> so far. What if there's another one out right. there? Nope, there's no other one. It's just James. <laughs> it's just James. <laughs> there's only like twelve right. Cincinnati Reds fans as a total, so <laughs> <laughs> he accounts for one twelfth of the whole the total population of Cincinnati Reds fans. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
I'm kidding. Fandom. Probably. Fandom is fun. Possibly. Uh, anyway, uh, we're looking forward to coming up to your beautiful um, communist World Economic Forum country next month. So, uh, you know, prepare prepare the way for us, James. Prepare the way. Well, you make it out here alive. <laughs> <laughs> Better seek, seek for some shelter. <laughs> Well, are you not going to tell me to shelter in place? Are you like the evil government? <laughs> I hope you're not telling me that. <laughs> you guys know you can't bring your guns, right? Wait, what? Whoa, whoa. whoa. You, is that some sort of weird Canadian thing where you assume all Americans just are walking around with their guns? Is that what, you, that what you're assuming? <laughs> we live well, in, from Jersey, maybe not. Yeah, I was going to say, we're from no, New Jersey. We're only slightly less communist than Canada. Yeah, only slightly less communist. <laughs> yep. Slightly less. Still, still mostly World Economic Forum down here, so... No, we're looking for that hope that we keep talking about in God's word. <laughs> uh, so definitely check us out this Friday on our on our today because uh, today, that, that's when you're hearing this. It's going to be yeah yeah for details on the giveaway so that you too can avail yourself to the wisdom in ninety five thesis of COVID for the church. You need this. And it's important. It's very important. And James has poured over it so that you too can be it's, informed. Yeah, and I would and I would also say that. Uh, you know, some people might say, oh, well, that that's come and gone. And not necessarily. There's <laughs> mm. they've got something else in the works, right? And, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, and, and California just extended just, their emergency until February of 2023. So, I mean, it's still going strong over there. <laughs> yeah, I got to send a few copies over there. <laughs> yeah, they need some help. Johnny Mac will pass them out for you. <laughs> Pretty sure I should be passing his stuff out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you should. Well, maybe you uh, can be like, a, like reciprocal. Yeah, you can send him ways. some. He sends you some. You can do a little grace to you ministry up there in the Great White North. It'll be all good. Uh, <laughs> it's called Grace to You, eh? Hey, hey, his, his father is actually from. His father is actually from Calgary. So there's another claim to fame, right? Oh you know? man, that's. I always knew there was something a little off about Johnny Mac, and now I know what it was. It's his Canadian ties. <laughs> but you could definitely check out this giveaway and that's the main thing here uh check out the rules for the giveaway on our instagram today because today's friday mm-hmm. and you'll be able to see those rules you'll be able to do all the follow all the steps and get entered in to this contest guys gals do it u.s and canada u.s and canada u.s and canada I mean, we could ship to Mexico. I mean, really, it's right there. Could we? I don't even know. If, does anybody listen to us in Mexico? Yeah, there's people in Mexico listening to us. Man. This is across the is there world. Any traffic going to Mexico? Oh yeah, people. People. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, there's actually just so many people coming in from Mexico that you can just pass it like doing the wave, like off from a stage, <laughs> from a stage dive. You just pass it back. Down no, the line. that's not okay. To yeah, say. it goes all the way there. Like go- going backwards on an escalator. It's it's yeah, but it, it, it's slower, <laughs> but it's still effective. Okay. Anyway, here to there. Uh, so definitely check out that so you can get yourself hooked up with ninety five thesis. Um, James, thank you so much for joining us tonight on our podcast. Yeah, we very thanks much for pre- having me. This is great. Yeah, we very much appreciate you and your wisdom. We appreciate it. That's oh. what I got. Oh yeah. And we're looking forward to seeing all of you, our Canadian friends. We're only a month away, so we're like counting this down nervously. We're less just yeah, we're, like, we're like, like three, three weeks, three weeks. away. It's like three weeks away. We're going to be up in the Great White North, so we're looking forward to uh, seeing everybody. Uh, yeah, three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Look at that, right on the dot. I can count. Good job. So we're looking. To, we're looking forward to that. Uh, don't forget to check out the show notes to find out the links to these articles as well as all the scripture that we use today. It will be helpful for you to be able to handle these uh, these topics in a more informed way. And with that, dear Christian, we hope you will seize the faith. faith.